Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Kelly Stewart. Hi, and welcome to the Think Orphan podcast, where we seek to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. We'd like to welcome you back and just say we hope you had a Merry Christmas and a great new year. We're looking forward to just this new year and and the interviews that we have coming your way and and just look forward to the guests that we're going to be able to share with you. So, Phil, what would you like to add? Yeah, I'm just, uh, again, want to hope everyone had a great, great Christmas with your friends and family, our having a great start to 2017. I um, hope you were able, able to reflect a little bit on 2016 as well, to take a step back and just say, you know, what did God do over the course of the year? What 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 uh, good things happened? Where do I want to improve? And maybe go into 2017 with, with some goals and, and ways that you can kind of take that next step f- forward to uh, further flourishing in your lives. And part of that, I hope, is this podcast. Part of that, I hope, is what you're learning and, you know, learning alongside Kelly and I, um, um, uh, and what, what we're able to take away from these incredible guests, what we're able to take away just from the, the questions that we're getting and the, and the thoughts from the field and the, the book recommendations and the things we're able to read and watch and listen to. And so, but with that, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm hoping we can get more of in 2017 from you, the listeners, um, are more questions, more questions for our mailbag, um, for you to engage with us more so that, you know, we can, we can get out there, not just for us to be able to talk about, but for other people to be thinking about these questions, because chances are, if you have a question about something, somebody else does as well. And while our answers may not be the, the end all be alls, they may not be the perfect answer to these questions. In fact, I I venture to say they probably are not. Um, I would say, uh, I would hope that we can have you, um, be able to engage us with those questions. And so that we can answer them and you can be thinking about them yourselves. The other thing, uh, you know, I'm hoping you can help us with is to get, uh, you know, more guests. Introduce us to people. Introduce us to people that you think would be great on the show. Introduce us to people that are doing great work around the world. You may be one of those people. You may think, you know, I'd love to, to be interviewed on this show. This would be something that I think that I have something to offer other people out there. If that's the case, drop us an email um, with these questions, with with guest uh, recommendations with any other people that are, again, doing great work that might be great for thoughts from the field. We're also going to be having a segment, um, Ministry Minutes in the future, where we're going to be able to share with you out there different ministries, different organizations that are doing work around the world that we're wanting to introduce to people that are furthering best practices and seeking to further best practice. So if you're one of those people, if you know any of those people, drop us an email, info at thinkorphan.com. You can engage us on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, um, and uh, or just you know through through uh, our website and in the comments to the to the different show notes. So those are all things that I'm hoping 2017 will bring. In addition to more ratings and reviews, we always are wanting those for you from you guys out there as well. So more engagement is what I'm hoping for. So yeah, how about you, Kelly? I totally agree. I think the thing I love about this podcast is just the stories uh, that we get to hear and that we get to learn about of what's going on around the world and and to see how uh, God is using individuals across the globe just to um, advance his kingdom, but also to care for vulnerable children. And 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 I I think that's deserving of um, of just of being able to hear kind of what that that. 
draws up in you or what, what it makes you think about or what it, it makes you ponder that maybe you hadn't thought through before. And, and also, I mean, we know that there are people out there that are doing great things uh, that we would love to hear about just to champion them, to hear kind of uh, what's working, um, but just to be a support uh, for them as well. And so we highly uh, would encourage you guys just to, to shoot us an email, let us know um, how we can, um, what, just questions you have, obviously, but really, I, I look forward to hearing of just uh, people that you know of that maybe Phil and I don't know of that, but whose story we want to share. So that that's definitely um, important to us. So with that, Phil, why don't you share uh, who is our guest today? Yeah, today we have Jason Weber. He is the National Director for Foster Care Initiatives for the Christian Alliance for Orphans. And I know that you're going to be excited to, to learn what Jason's going to share with us. Um, he is He's a guy who has great ideas. Foster Care Initiatives uh, with CAFO has produced some phenomenal resources that you're going to learn about as well. So, you know, with that and um, with, uh, again, a... Hope for a great new year with some great content. This is a great way to start it with Jason Weber. Well, Jason, it's great to have you with us here today. Great to be with you, Phil. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into the talking about foster care with you and uh, being with the CAFO uh, Foster Care Initiative, and that's Christian Alliance for Orphan, for those of you um, out there who don't know uh, what CAFO stands for. But uh, before we get into the, the foster care and kind of the, the meat of it, I, I'd love for you to just share a little bit with the audience of, of your story, uh, who you are, where you, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, my wife, Tricia, and I, we got married. We grew up in Kansas. We got married. And a week later, we went off to be trained to do ministry in the inner city. And so later that first year of marriage, we um, moved to inner city Denver. We moved into an inner city neighborhood. And uh, we had always thought in the back of our minds that the Lord would want us to give it a home someday to a child that needed one through adoption. We didn't know what that would look like or when that would be or where that child would come from. Um, but as we got into inner city ministry, uh, where we lived, we found that over half the kids that we were particularly working with in our neighborhood had been touched by foster care at some point in their lives. Some of them had gone into foster care and stayed there. Some of them had uh, gone into foster care and gone back uh, to their biological families. Um, But we saw just how many kids uh, it impacted. And so we uh, eventually decided to become foster parents. And that was about 15 years ago, we became foster parents and brought uh, some preemie twins home. And there's a whole story behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that that was that was a lot more than we had bargained for mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. But um, but God led us to, to bring them home. And uh, that foster care case lasted for three and a half years. And we ended up adopting them. Uh, and then we jumped into the next um, the next kiddo and and over the years, we've had some kids come and go, but we've had uh, a lot of kids stay. And so we've adopted all five of our kids uh, out of foster care. And through that process, uh, God has continued to grow our hearts for uh, the church and its engagement uh, with these kids and what it can do and the impact that it can make when it stands up and steps in to these situations. 
That's great. And, you know, I'd love to someday hear that, that whole story. You said it was more than you bargained for, but, uh, uh, I know that, you know, we got a lot of other stuff to cover today, but, um, you know, it might, it might, uh, be something that you can share a little bit into that to help people out there to the extent that, that you think it might help. Um, do you have any, any little things from that just as far as to encourage people out there who are in the middle of a foster care situation where they're, they're thinking, man, this is just so much harder than I thought. Um, do you have some just kind of words of encouragement for them? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is we signed up on the, on the paperwork for, we'd never parented before we were 20, uh, four, 25 years old. We didn't know what we were doing. And so, uh, we at least knew that we didn't know what we were doing. So when we signed up, we said, Hey, we'll, we'll take one kid at a time, you know, with no major medical needs. Uh, we probably can't handle that right now. Um, and then the social worker called us and she said, well, I've got these two preemie twins who've been in, um, neonatal intensive care for three months. Uh, they'll probably be on oxygen for a year and a half. They might have cerebral palsy, but we won't know that until they're two years old. Um, what do you think? Mm. And and I'm thinking, well, you obviously didn't read my paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, God clearly led us to bring them home. And my encouragement would be uh, we have to be honest with ourselves about what we think we can handle. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing unspiritual about that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we have to understand that. Uh, God's ways are higher, higher than ours. And sometimes our understanding of what we can handle is different than his understanding of what he plans on doing to equip us. Mm. Anything he calls us to do, he can equip us to do. And we were completely unqualified to, to do uh, that particular placement, um, but God equipped us to do it. Yeah, that's just, that's so true. So true in so many different ways. And, and, I, and I imagine that's similar to um, kind of the CAFO foster care initiative that you're now uh, leading. And how, how did you come to um, start working with CAFO? And tell me a little bit about the, the foster care initiative itself as well. Yeah, well, we've been involved in uh, in helping churches to engage in adoption, orphan care, and foster care for, for well over a decade now. Um, and a few years ago, the opportunity came up to uh, join up with Christian Alliance for Orphans and help them launch the National Foster Care Initiative. The whole idea is that there are and have been for the last decade plus some amazing uh, groups of churches working together, organizations that are rallying churches together uh, in a different way than, than ever before, um, where churches are working together to address foster care in their specific county or state. And as we begin to see all of these great um, programs rise up around the country and the impact that they were making, you know, seeing numbers of waiting kids drastically reduced by the hundreds over the course of a few years in one state in Arkansas, seeing that, um, you know, over the course of several years, over uh, half of the certified foster homes in that state coming through this group of and coalition of churches, um, over half of the foster homes that are certified in that state uh, come from the church. Mm-hmm. So we begin to see those things and, and we realize that uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans could play a role in helping to um, show those models as they exist around the country to, to everyone else, that those kinds of models need to exist in every county 
in every state in the country. And so we began to ask ourselves, what can we all do together? If we bring those organizations to the table to begin talking together, what can we do together that none of us could do alone uh, on a national scale? And so that's how the National Foster Care Initiative uh, began. That's so great. And that collaboration, as you know, we talked about is such a huge part of this uh, podcast is to really uh, encourage people to work together and not only just encourage and talk about it, but to give real real life examples of of some collaborative efforts, some partnerships and, and strategic alliances that are actually working. And I know this is definitely one of those. And can you just give I know you kind of alluded to one, but just a, a couple stories that uh, of successful partnerships and, and collaboration that is happening uh, today on the ground um, here in our country? Yeah, well, you know, right here in the county where we live, there's a group of, of churches uh, working together um, to provide homes for every waiting child in, in our county. Um, each church is taking responsibility for a particular kiddo. They have a team of people that are rallying around that kid. And and they're meeting all kinds of needs for the foster family. They're taking responsibility for going after uh, and finding a permanent placement uh, for that kiddo. But that that happens through uh, churches working together. See, it's it's much more difficult for an individual church to go to the county or go to the state and say, hey, we'd like to work with you. Um, one, you know, as that's happened over time, over the years, sometimes those churches, you know, there's leadership change or there's some kind of change that causes the church to have to back out of that commitment. And, and that's obviously uh, can be damaging to a relationship with uh, with the government in this case. But when you have a coalition of churches, there's a constancy and a, and a um, that can happen um, as a result of of working together that these churches are there. And if one of them has to back out for some reason, the other churches are still there to carry on the mission and, and continue to work with others to, to do that. Um, one example uh, of how, uh, in particular, I think the National Foster Care Initiative has um, leveraged the combined strengths of a lot of different organizations together, and this really blew me away, um, is shortly after we got going um, with the initiative, uh, an opportunity came up to do uh, to create some resources that would would be able to create for the church uh, around the country to help them begin thinking through what are the issues of movement building. How do we build movement? How do I partner with government? How do I get other churches on board? How do I get my own pastor on board? All of these issues, um, and we had the opportunity to create some video resources, uh, and it came unexpectedly. So. We uh, needed to get a group of these experts from around the country, leaders of our membership organizations to come and talk about the things that they were experts in. Um, and so the idea is we would come together for one day. And when, when we invited these leaders, we said, so here's the deal. We're asking you to come and speak, probably not for more than nine minutes. And um, by the way, we don't have budget for this right now because this is a new <laughs> initiative. So can your organization foot the bill to send you here? Nice. Um, yeah. So that's a real strong ask. <laughs> and um, we asked 46. I'm sorry. We asked 50. Let me start that over. So we asked 50. Uh, leaders from around the country to do that. In my mind, I'm thinking if we get 20 people to sign up for that, right. that'd be a huge win. That would yep. be amazing. And uh, the responses started rolling in. These leaders from across the country uh, just had such a passion for working together to combine their collective strengths to make a difference nationally for foster care that we had 46 out of 50. Wow. 
agree to come. So then we had a new problem. We had to figure out how to get 46 people in one day right, <laughs> to right. speak and to get them on video. Uh, but we managed to do it. And, um, and, and so we have continued to uh, build and, and put out, and we're doing this on a regular basis, content. And it's, it's called Foster Movement U. And we address a variety of top topics from how to come around social workers in your community, how to partner with government, um, how to find your fit in foster care, uh, all of those topics. And we, we, we have a short video, a few PDFs, some discussion questions, and some real practical tools that you can take to your church and a team of people in your community and say, hey, what does this look like for us? How can we begin building foster care movement where we live? Mm. And wh where can we find that? Uh, you can go to the the Christian Alliance for Orphans website, which is CAFO.org, and uh, you can click on Foster Movement. Um, the other, the other, the easier way is to go to CAFO.org, CAFO.org slash Foster Movement U. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And another thing that came out of that, is, as we've been talking about, is this, uh, there's a little uh, pamphlet called the uh, the faces of foster care engagement. And um, can you just tell me the story of that and then what that, just a little uh, uh, tip, uh, snippet on what that uh, material and resource is? Yeah, I think a lot of times when we go to our churches and we start talking about foster care, we have a tendency to default to uh, talking about the need for adoptive and foster homes. Uh, and no doubt, that is a huge need. It's the biggest need we have. The problem is that when we talk to a group of people who have not previously thought about foster care that much, um, about adoption and, and foster parenting, you know, over 99% of those people probably do not feel ready to even consider that at any given point in time. Mm -hmm. Um and so a better approach and what we encourage people is to really, when you're in front of a group of people like that, to aim more at the middle, to say, you know, there are other things. Everybody has gifts, personality traits and experiences that make them who they are. And those gifts, personality traits and experiences can fit beautifully into a number of different roles in foster care besides foster parenting and besides adoption. And if everyone would use their gifts and their own, you know, leanings toward um, a particular role in foster care, it would make a huge difference in the system and it would eventually result in a lot more adoptive and foster parents. And so this piece is just a fun piece. It, it kind of outlines um, seven different types of people um, and the kinds of um, you know, personality traits and experiences that they might have and how and how that might fit into foster care. So we talk about the administrator. We talk about the advocate. We talk about the ally and the ambassador. We talk about the intercessor, someone who just is great about gathering needs and praying for them. We talk about the coach who can come alongside um, biological families uh, or come alongside a, a, an aging out youth and just mentor them and coach them. We talk about the recruiter. So there's all these different roles and, and you can go through this piece and you can kind of evaluate and say which ones of these, and most people are more than one, uh, which ones of these apply to me and how can I particularly engage and make a difference for kids in my community? Yeah, it's such a great resource. And I, I do encourage you folks out there to, to go to the, to the website that Jason talked about earlier. We'll have those in the show notes as well. 
But just what's so cool about this document or this this material and this resource is, is it not only describes what each what each one of these is, but it also gives some uh, examples of of what type of work you might be able to do if you are this person, and it just gives some um, uh, testimonials of people that are doing this stuff. And you know, in the past episodes, I remember I just recently listened again to Rick Morton talked about uh, a guy that he knows that just says, "Hey, I got a lawnmower, and I do foster care by helping those who have are fostering to to mow their lawns." You know, and That's it's just awesome. like uh, things like that that are out there. And I and I love um, folks like yourself and Rick who are encouraging people out there. Like, look, if you're called to adopt and do foster care, you know, with the actual children in your home, that is amazing. And that as 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 Rick said, those are kind of the green berets of the of the movement, so to speak, that are going in and doing the ground game. But there's also so much other need. And I just love that resources like this one that really give that um, specific uh, ways that people can, can, can jump into this and get involved. Um, and then who knows what God will do from there. Amen. So um, – the next thing, another resource, another thing that I'm super excited about that's coming out soon um, is this uh, this new book that uh, the Foster Care Initiative is putting together, uh, Farmer Herman and the Flooding Barn. Uh, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> well, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I was just looking for a way to describe what the National Foster Care Initiative is and does. And I thought I had remembered hearing this story one time. And so I went um, and, and Googled it and, and found this story of uh, this farmer in Nebraska uh, who he and his wife, Donna, so Herman and Donna Ostry, they bought a farm uh, back in 1981. And the problem that they had was that there was a barn on this farm that was always flooding. Every time it rained, it would flood. There would be up to 29 inches of standing water uh, at any given time. Now, this is in Bruno, Nebraska, uh, population 143 at the time. And they tried to figure out what to do and, and how to fix the problem. And there were some really expensive options. One night at dinner, Farmer Herman, he said, you know, if we just had enough people, we could pick this thing up and move it. And everybody laughed and, and kind of went on eating dinner. And the next day, his adult son, Mike, who was 25 at the time, went out to the barn with a tape measure, started measuring things, started counting boards, uh, figured out how much each board weighed, added it all together, figured out that the barn weighed about 16,000 pounds. And that if you were going to move it, you'd need to put a steel grid in place to keep it all together keep it from falling on people. And uh, that would weigh another 3,000 pounds. So if you had 19,000 pounds divided by, you know, if every person could lift about 50, 55 pounds, you'd need 344 people to pick it up and move it. And so um, in July of 1988, the town centennial uh, was, was, uh, being celebrated. And so they did this barn moving as part of their centennial celebration. And Farmer Herman went out front and he gave instructions through a, a microphone and a speaker. And uh, 344 people showed up to help move this barn. And 4,000 people from 11 states came to watch. Mm. And they were either going to see, you know, something just amazing and beautiful, or they were about to see the greatest catastrophe in the history of Nebraska. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as Farmer Herman gave instructions and all of these people worked together in unity and, and bent down at the same time and on three lifted up, this barn came up off the ground and the crowd went wild. They carried it 115 feet up six feet of elevation, turned it 90 degrees and set it back down. Wow. 
And what we talk about is that in foster care, our barn is flooded. And the normal and natural reaction to flooding is that we grab a bucket and we just try to scoop more water out. We try to get more kids' homes. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, no matter how much we scoop, uh, no matter how hard we work, there's still going to be kids waiting for families unless we do something drastic, unless we try to find dry ground, unless we move the barn. And so um, we talk about dry ground for us being more than enough, that we don't need the barn less wet. We need to get to more than enough. We as the church need to help provide more than enough adoptive homes for every child to have um, a family. We need to provide more than enough foster homes for every child to have an ideal placement. We need to provide more than enough help for biological families who want to stay together and get back together. And we need to provide more than enough support for all of these families once the child comes home or comes back home. Uh, and so we talk about that a lot. We talk about the principles of moving barns and building foster care movement. And there's more detail there. But the bottom line is we wanted a way to tell the, the country about what we're doing and the importance of working together and how this only happens. We only get to more than enough when we work together. And so um, this idea of a children's book came up to explain that and uh, to tell the story. So uh, one morning I wrote the, the text for the book, but we were left with one problem is uh, we needed to be able to illustrate it. And after thinking about it a little bit more, it seemed like the best way to illustrate a book about 344 people working together was to have 344 people work together to illustrate it. Mm. So uh, we've been gathering drawings uh, from kids, adoptive parents, foster parents, social workers. Uh, we've got a judge. We've got lawyers. We've got um, we've got recording artists and authors. Um, who have all contributed a drawing, an animal or an object, and all of those drawings have been uh, colored in by and shaded in by an artist, um, and and that all of those have been compiled into this one book to tell this story, to raise awareness about kids in foster care, and to really just promote the idea of unity, of biblical unity, of what can happen, what big problems we can solve when we work together to do it. And so that book is uh, being published by Broad Street Kids, um, an imprint of, of Broad Street Publishing, and that's coming out this fall in November. I am so excited for that book. I, I, I just absolutely love the idea from the, the first time you told me about it and now seeing it come to fruition is is just awesome. I can't wait to, to see that in November and I'll definitely be picking up a copy. I encourage everyone else out there to, to keep an eye out for it and, and uh, to grab it when you can. Um, and and you, you talked about you know several issues um, throughout this this uh, interview, and, and I just want to kind of before we go into our last two questions that we ask all our guests, I want to ask you just what are two of the biggest issues we're facing in connection with foster care today, and and how can we address them? Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues is the anonymity of kids in care. You know, when you think about a particular child in foster care and you ask the question, who knows them? Like who really knows them? Who's, who's really taking responsibility for them? Um, sometimes the answers are less than satisfying to that question. I mean, you've got people involved in the system and these are good people working hard, doing um, way more than they, they ought to be doing um, in, in terms of their capacity, like social workers and, and people who are representing these kids in court and, and all of these things. But in all of those cases, um, there's high turnover in a lot of those instances. Uh, the, the very best 
test situations, um, the kids are still not known that well. They might get a visit a month from a social worker. And so when you ask who's really representing them and taking responsibility for them, um, a lot of times the answer is not really anyone in a very committed long-term way. And so you know, the question that I think we have to begin to answer is how can our church, you know, sometimes we get really wrapped up in all the big numbers. And in some ways, those are motivating, you know, to hear that there are 400,000 kids in foster care and over 100,000 kids waiting for adoption. You know, that gives us the scope of the problem, but that doesn't really give us any fuel for solving it, to be honest. Um, I often encourage churches, don't share the biggest numbers you can with your church, share the smallest numbers you can. Figure out how many kids are in foster care in your zip code, and let's put a name and a face to each of those kids for our churches. Let's, Let's say to our church, hey, let's go in and let's represent one or two or three of these kids and let's make sure we walk with them all the way through from where they're at to the place where they have permanency and are thriving and we come around that family what would that look like that no matter how many times the social worker situation might turn over or how long the kids in care there would be this one constant of this church and these people in this church coming around this kiddo so if we can get to the place where the kids are no longer anonymous, but they're known to us in the body of Christ, I think that'd make a huge difference. I think it'd change everything. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And then the second thing, uh, you asked for two things, and I mentioned it, I referred to it um, earlier briefly, is this idea of uh, just recruitment. And I think a big issue we face is doing a better job of figuring out how to engage a bigger portion of our churches in the foster care system and not making people feel like they're less than if they don't feel ready to foster parent or if they don't feel ready to adopt. There are so many life-changing earth shattering ways for them to be involved in foster care that don't require that kind of time or that kind of commitment. And they may get there eventually and they may not. And even if they don't, that's okay because it takes the body to meet all of these various different needs that exist in foster care. And so my encouragement is just as we go out, recruit, we talk to others and we advocate that we're, we are making sure that easy on ramps are available to everyone to get involved. Yeah, that's great. And, and I, I think as we've talked about these different resources that are available and, and of the different things that you're working on, I think those on-ramps are, are becoming more and more clear to people, which is which is a huge part of it. And I love what you said to, to not think about the biggest numbers, but think about the smallest numbers. And and really, that's that's how we can engage people, I think, the best is when we're in church and we hear a number, you know, 150 something million, it's just, it's just mind boggling and people tend to turn off. But when you hear about, you know, the 20 people that are in your neighborhood that need help for whatever it is, you think, Hmm, I might be able to help out in that in some way. That's right. That's exactly right. So that's great. I I absolutely love the work that, uh, that you and the, and the team are doing in this area. And I, and I get excited to see what God's going to do in the next, in the next few years, um, (laughs) with this. Um, as we finish up, though, I just want to want to ask you a couple questions. Like I said, we, we ask all our guests this, but uh, the first one is, what have you read, watched, or listened to in the past few months that has most impacted your thinking on the care of orphan and vulnerable children? 
Yeah, I recently read a book called uh, Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard by Dan and Chip Heath. Um, also, they authored the book um, Made to Stick, which is a fabulous book for anybody who is interested in doing a better job at communicating about anything. But, but Switch, in particular, there was a quote uh, that I've been just thinking about almost constantly since I, I read the book um, several weeks ago. And this is what they said. What looks like resistance is often a lack of clarity. Mm. What looks like resistance is often a lack of clarity. Sometimes when we engage in our communities and in our churches, we get discouraged because we feel resistance. We feel like people are not willing um, to, to engage in, in foster care. And, uh, and I really think that in many cases, it's not that people don't care about kids in foster care. It's not that they don't want to make a difference in those kids' lives. It's that they don't know how. The path is not clear to them. And uh, maybe we haven't done as good a job as we can to make that path clear, to make those first steps as easy as possible, um, to, to provide the clarity that's needed to help people to engage. Yeah, that's great. That is that is a fantastic book, and 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 like you, I definitely recommend it to uh, to everyone out there, particularly those that are going through any change, uh, which I think we all are at any given time. Um, and so the last question uh, we have, and I know that our time is coming to an end, and, and man, there's so much more we could talk about. But uh, what one person other than Jesus Christ has most impacted your thinking on the care of orphaned and vulnerable children? Yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. We lived in an inner city community in Denver and there was a little boy a few doors down and I'll call him Jamie uh, for our purposes here. Um, but Jamie was, uh, when we met him, I think he was five or six years old and he would come by the house often and want to come in and, and, and play a game. Now at the time, my wife and I didn't have kids and, uh, and so he would come over after school, he'd knock on the door and he'd say, hey, can I come in and play a game now? Now, Jamie, we were living in Denver and he would come to the door sometimes in the wintertime in shorts and a short sleeve shirt. Or he'd come to the door uh, and his teeth would, you know, were, were, were rotting um, in his mouth. And, and so my wife, being who she is, being, you know, just the amazing woman she is, she she would go out and she'd get him, you know, clothes or she would... Um, she bought him a toothbrush. And so in our bathroom, we had, you know, my toothbrush, her toothbrush and, and his toothbrush. And so he'd come over to play a game and he'd say, Hey, can I play a game? And I'd say, yeah, come on in, go brush your teeth and then we'll play a game. Right. And, um, and so he just became kind of, you know, regularly at our house every day, you know, during the week, one Sunday morning, uh, there was a knock at the door early. Uh, and I looked out the front door window and Jamie was standing there with his hands behind his back. And it was unusual for him to uh, come over that early on a Sunday. And so uh, I opened the door and he said, hey, is is Miss Trisha here? That's my wife, Trisha. And I said, yeah, let me go get her. Come on in. And so he came in and I went to get Trisha and she came out. And, uh, you know, what we uh, weren't paying as close of attention to because we weren't parents at the time, but it was it was a Sunday. It was actually Mother's Day. And see, Jamie, he was living with his dad and his mom had, had abandoned him when he was a baby. And so when he pulled his hands out from behind his back, he had a construction paper card that he had made and he handed it to my wife and it said, happy Mother's Day, mom. Wow. Now, Jamie eventually did have to go in uh, to foster care and um, 
and it was it was a you know a difficult circumstance and and and, and so it's not only Jamie that has had the biggest impact on uh, our lives it's it's a lot of kids like him mm-hmm. so it's not just one but he's he is um, just a, a a good example of one what uh, what kids go through and what they experience and what they're looking for and um what means the most to them and how we have an opportunity to step into their lives uh in a significant significant way wow that is that is a great place to to finish up and and uh, i encourage everyone out there to uh connect with the foster care initiative every church leader every person that's it's thinking, how can I truly dive into this, um, what God has called us to and what is the core of God's heart? So thanks so much, Jason, for your time. Thanks for all the wisdom you've shared with us today. And I, I look forward to continuing this conversation real soon. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Jason, for those great words of uh, wisdom and just providing such great resources for, for so many people out there. Um, and again, I think that was just a great way to kick off 2017 on the Think Orphan podcast. What, what do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, I believe that we can never talk about foster care enough. I think it's something that uh, we all can play a part in. And I, I love just the conversation of um, I think people kind of get in the two ditches of, of foster care. Of We either have to be foster parents or we're not doing it. And so I just I loved and appreciate just how CAFO is trying to kind of broaden people's minds as far as how they can support uh, foster care parents and also realize that sometimes it's not an immediate decision. It is a process to get people to the place of of really discerning what it is God is calling them to do. Um, I do believe there are people out there that God is calling to to foster. Um, just like I believe that, that there are people out there that God is calling to help foster parents or to help foster kids. And so uh, just that conversation um, and being willing to enter into it, um, especially as the church and just as the body um, to come around foster families, um, we all can help provide a meal. We can help um, take kids uh, to, to sports you know, practices or games or to lessons uh, who may be foster kids or even their other siblings. And so I think that's that's part of the conversation that needs to continue where we think it's either the only way I can help is if I um, donate a coat at Christmas or if I, um, you know, or if I foster. And so just being willing to enter the conversation, I think, is is something that really strikes a chord with me. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I, I think that the one thing that stuck out to me is, is similar. And I, I talked about it in the interview was just the the idea of there's so many ways to get involved and it, it doesn't have to be taking a foster child into your home. That may be what you're called to do. And if that's what you're called to do, awesome. But I, I think as Rick Morton said a few interviews ago, this was like the green berets of the foster of the orphan care. Those are the folks that, you know, God has really put it on their heart. It is a calling, but others, you know, out there don't feel like, well, I'm not called to do that. So I'm not, I'm, I'm out. 
you know, there are so many ways and that's what I love about the resources that uh, I hope that you folks out there go to the website, go to the website that Jason talked about, the kfo.org foster movement you. And there are so many resources there that, that will really help foster parents, but also people who are just wanting to get more involved with uh, foster care. I know there's a church down, down in Southern California that, that I work with. Um, it's actually a church I grew up in and they're doing Royal Family Kids Camps. And those are just awesome ways to get involved with foster kids as well, where you go and basically your church partners and you go and put on a summer camp for a week with these children who, you know, you develop relationships with as well. Um, and it becomes, sometimes it becomes a mentoring relationship, which is another way to get involved. So there are so many ways, some big, some small, um, some massive, you know, and that, you know, anywhere in between those those for the people out there. And, and that's just something that I really appreciated about Jason. I appreciated about the foster care initiatives and, you know, some other organizations out there that are really encouraging people to think outside the box when it comes to getting involved with these children, um, who really, really need people in their lives, speaking truth and loving them and being consistent in their lives. And, and with that, you know, the thoughts from the field today kind of continue the theme on foster care with David, David Foster. Um, no, that his name is is just, just coincidence. But, uh, but, uh, David shares his thoughts on what is the, the, one of the biggest issues we're facing in orphan care and how can we address it? So here it goes. Huge issue that we're facing where I live is that there are 5,000 kids every day that have no foster home to go to. There are no trained foster parents. Uh, the state is lagging behind in providing care to those kids. It's heartbreaking. You know, because those those kids matter. Each each one created in the image of God has value, dignity, and worth. So you know that is a crying need. Well, thanks, David, for your thoughts. We definitely appreciate what you have to share. Phil, you also have a book to share. So why don't you uh, tell us about it? Yeah, there actually. The books that Jason Weber uh, recommended at the end of his interview are two books that I absolutely love as well. Chip and Dan Heath wrote Switch and Made to Stick. Made to Stick in particular is is a phenomenal book on just getting ideas to stick. And so that's something that is, is a great book for anybody that is wanting to people to remember what they're saying, which I, I assume is everybody. Um, so those, those two books, I just want to second the recommendations that, that Jason made. Um, and then I have another, uh, just a fun book, just a novel that uh, is called Peace Like a River. It's by Leif Anger. Actually, my co-author on In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence recommended this to me. And so I am I kind of passing that along and recommending it to you. I finished it up a, a little bit ago. And it's just a book that I, I've kind of explained it to people before. It's kind of like a little house on the prairie for guys. Um, that's that idea. And, you know, I don't know if that's as accurate as it, as it could be or should be. And some people may disagree with me on that, but it's just really kind of a, a family. It's a story. It's actually, um, uh, a family where the mother left the, the kids. Um, and so it's the dad and his relationship with his children. Uh, and there's some twists and turns. So I won't give it away, but I definitely recommend that out there for you. And, and I don't think you'll be, uh, uh, disappointed for taking the time to read it. Uh, and with that, uh, another episode um, is, is done. And I, again, am very thankful for every one of you out there. Thankful that you've helped us to um, just really get this this podcast out to 63 countries. And, and really the best way we've gotten it out to 63 countries, really the only way, is through you and you telling people about it 
whether it's through social media, whether it's just word of mouth, whether it's telling your friends and family about it, I, I encourage you to keep doing that because there are people uh, at the ends of the earth, really, that God is going to touch with the people that are on this show. These guests are people who have such wisdom to share with you and with people out there who really, you know, can can benefit from it and can help them to flourish again more and more to help them to love orphan and at-risk children better and better every day. So that's the goal that we have here on the show, and that's the hope that I have. I hope that you have that same goal out there. And with that, have a great week, and uh, enjoy everything that you're doing every day. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.